I, I want you guys to get a snapshot of what's transpiring here in the moment. What's happening right now is we got people from all around the world, from all around the world, from different area codes, different zip codes, from different time zones, y'all, coming together to read the word. For some of you, this is a good morning. For some of you, this is good night. For some of you, this is lunchtime. For those of you who are here, you know, for some of you, it, it's supper or dinner time. Uh, do they even say supper anymore? Uh, I guess, I mean, where I'm at, they don't say supper at least. But anyway, that's a, that's neither here nor there. But uh, just, just, just imagine we got people from all over the world coming together to read the word, to read scripture. Like that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. Um, if there's anything anyone needs to know, right? Okay, Meta University, you're, you're having breakfast. That's great. What a great way to start the day is in the word. What a great way to start the day. Um, for those of you who don't know, and this may be your first time joining us, this is the Read and Rant. And what we do here is we just simply spend time in the reading of the word. Um, I'm not here to indoctrinate or here to uh, impose my ideology or my way of thinking. I'm just simply here to journey with you through the word. I've always encouraged people to do this is, is if you, if there's anything you should take, it's just our time together and reading the word. After that, you can go about your day um, and do everything you, you know, you need to do, or just spend time reflecting on what you've just read. But I do a rant. That's why we call it the read and rant, because afterwards I spend time just in open reflection and just sharing some thoughts with you all um, in what the Lord is leading. And I do this every weekday morning. Now, um, there are those of you who may not be able to stay for the rant part. That's fine with me. As long as you just spend time reading the word. Some of you, um, you know, you, you want to stay and just hear my thoughts on whatever it is that we've read. This is what we do. We just spend time in the reading of the word. And it is profoundly transformative because this is the moment. And I believe this with every fiber of my being, that this is the moment when people are finally going to be released. This next season is going to be a season when people are finally going to be released from the strongholds of religion, from the strongholds of church, whatever you knew as church, from the strongholds of church culture, and to finally discover. I want to say that one more time. This is the moment. This is the time. I believe this with every, every fiber of my being, that people are about to be released from the strongholds of religion, from the pillars of religious thinking, from institutionalized, institutional thinking, to finally get into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the moment where people are going to be released from what they grew up on and finally discover Jesus for themselves and tr to truly discover what it means to be transformed by the power of the gospel. I, I, I don't know if, if, if anybody's where I'm at, but I think right now what's happening is, is that COVID is convicting a new reality. It's introducing us to a new paradigm, one in which people aren't focused on simply just going to church, but rather people are now inspired to be the church. And so if I can partake in any part of that, to be any type of contributor to that, then that's what I'm here to do. That's why I'm here. That's why I exist. This is why God has called me. He has put me on this planet to finally be a part and to help pioneer a new movement of people who are not so busy just 
following religious thinking, following institutional thinking, following just simply doctrines and denominations, but called by God to move in the power of God, to be light in dark places, to be salt, to be salt to the earth and to bring the power, the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. So for me, I'm not here for you to join my church. I'm here for you to be the church. I'd rather send you than keep you. And so I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that you're a part of this. And this is why we do the read and rant. Everybody's always asked me. So every morning I do a read and rant and I do it on TikTok live and I do it on IG live. And people always ask me, why do you do this? Like, what's the whole purpose of it? The whole purpose of it is, is so that people can finally read the Bible for themselves, to journey through it for themselves, to read it in its totality for themselves, and to finally realize maybe a lot of the things that you were taught aren't truly biblical. And a lot of things that you were taught when you grew up in church isn't what the Bible is actually saying. And maybe the Bible is not what you thought it was. Maybe the Bible isn't what you were instructed that it was. And maybe now it's time for you to actually read it in its totality and find, discover truly what God was really saying in his word. That's why we do this. That's why I'm here. And that's why we do the read and rant. And so every morning we come together and we spend time in the reading of the word. Um, The Bible is simply a collection of books. That's all it is. It's just a collection of books. It's a collection of books that have been put together. It's an encyclopedia bringing one thing, revelation to Jesus Christ. If you want to know Jesus, you need to know the whole scripture. It's not a law for people to follow. It's not a set of rules for people to obey. It's not some kind of moral code that we all must subscribe to. It's so much more than that. It's it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we do this. And so let's spend some time today in the reading of the word. And when we spend time in the reading of the word, essentially what we do is, is we ask three questions. First question we ask is God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? Second question is God, what are you revealing concerning people? And third question is God, what are you revealing concerning me? We are posturing ourselves from a meditational perspective, from a meditational purview so that we can hear from God through our time in the reading of the word, in the reading of the scripture. Okay. That's all we're doing here. Um, This is not a Bible study. I know I do Bible study on Patreon. If you're part of our Patreon community, thank you so much for being part of it. If you want to become a part of our Patreon community, just go ahead and click the link in the bio, click the link in the profile, become a patron. We're going to be posting a lot more Bible studies and more content in the months to come, in the days, the weeks, and the months to come. So I want to encourage you to do that, but that's not what we're here to do right now. What we're here to do is simply read the word and to hear from God. And we've been reading through the entire Bible together. We've been on this journey together. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, and now we're in Psalms and we're in Psalms 46. So turn your Bible there. And if you were here yesterday, you've already gone through the journey with me. Okay, that was a quick recap. But today we're going to dig right in. We're going to spend a few minutes today in the reading of the word. And it says this in Psalm 46. And as we read, we're going to pray. Father, Lord, speak to us, Lord. Um, Lord, let it not be our wisdom um, imputed on the text, but let it be, Lord, your will, your grace, your love, and your mercy, Lord, reveal to us, Lord, that would transform our minds, transform our will, 
Lord, that we would understand who you are and discover who you truly are and what you desire of us. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen and amen. We get to start with one of my favorite books in the Bible. I mean, sorry, favorite chapters in the Bible. And it's Psalm 46. And this is what it says. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalm 47. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He would choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord, with the sound of the trumpet, sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together. The people of the God of Abraham for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. <laughs> Great, uh, Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Hmm. In the city of our God, in his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is in her places. He is known as her refuge. For behold, the kings assembled. They passed by together. They saw it and they, and so they marveled. They were troubled. They hastened away. Fear took hold of them there. As pain and pain as of a woman in birth pains. Hmm. Verse seven, as you break the ships of Tarshish with an east wind, as we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts and the city of God, God will establish it forever. We have thought, O God, on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice that the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion and go all around her. Count her towers. Mark well her bul bulwarks. 
consider her places, that you may tell it to the generation following. For this is God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide, even to death. Hmm. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the, of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my dark saying on the harp. Why should I fear in the days of evil when iniquity at my heels surrounds me? Those who trust in her wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of their souls is costly. It shall cease forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. For he sees wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the senseless person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish and of their posterity who approve their sayings like sheep. They are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave, far from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him, though while he lives, he blesses himself. For men will praise you when you do well for yourself. Hmm. He shall go to generations of his fathers. They shall see light. A man who is in honor yet does not understand is like the beasts that perish. Hmm. One more chapter, and then I'll share a few thoughts with you. The mighty one, God, the Lord has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. God will shine forth. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him and it shall be tempestuous all around him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together with me. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine in all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls and drink the blood of goats? Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. 
Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? Seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you. When you saw a thief, you consented with him and you have been a partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. I'm going to stop right here. Um, I'm going to stop right here for a few reasons. One of the reasons being is, is that um, our time is a little bit constricted today. So I want to make the best use of um, the few minutes that we have today as we spend time in the reflection of the word. As you guys know, this is our reading rant. We just spend time just reading and I call it ranting uh, reflection of the word. Um, but I think it's critically important that I stop here at this point so that I can make best use of really what the Lord is convicting me of or reminding me of in my reading of this scripture. I, as I was mentioned, as I was telling you guys just before this, as we were reading, I didn't even know we were going to get into this. But one of my convictions is the issue of establishment. Whenever, whenever you think of establishment or institution or whatever the man-made construct of institution is, call it religion, call it whatever it is you want to call it. As we've been reading through Psalms, uh, 46 to now we read to Psalms 50. We're convicted of the ineptitude of institution in the transformation of a person's heart. I'm going to get some, I'm going to just stay with me for a second. We are convicted of the reality that no matter how much construct you put together, how much institutionalization you establish, institutions do not change people. Um, governments do not change people. Political ideologies do not change people. Institutions, laws, governments, they don't change people. And if they did, we wouldn't actually need prisons. Prisons don't make fewer sinners. Prisoners or prisons don't make fewer criminals. Laws don't make fewer criminals. Laws simply allow us the capacity to find a place to put them. Laws give us power to establish some sense or some semblance of order. But laws do not change people. And if laws did, then we wouldn't have prisons. And 
if the laws, I, I don't really know, let me just, like, think about this for a second. Okay. Just think about this for a second. That the more strict and stringent laws are, the more people go to jail. <laughs> the larger our prisons are. The larger our corrections institutions are. It's always funny how we call prisons correctional facilities. <laughs> As if prisons have a means to correct people. If anything, prisons have been profoundly, profoundly unable to change people and to transform people. And yet when we talk about the law or we talk about um, the legal system and we talk about these things, we talk about them as if they're the end all and be all to everything that brings order and substance. And it's not. When you think of the law, I want to invite you to think of the law in a different way. Because when we think of the law, we simply think of rules that we ought to follow. And so when we think of the law, what we think about is action, reaction, decision, consequence. You make the right choices in life. You will get the right results in life. You make the wrong choices in life. You will get the wrong re results in life. Unfortunately, if you live long enough, you know this is not true. <laughs> now, does this tell us that we don't make the right decisions? Does this tell us that there aren't any consequences to decisions? Of course, there are consequences to decisions. Of course, if you make, if you continually make the wrong decisions, you're going to engage in, in, in some situations that you don't want to get caught up in. However, how often is it that we see people who make the wrong decisions and yet they don't get the same results as people who make the right decisions. I say that because when we think of a legal system and when we think of the law, we think of the law as a means by which stay with me, fam, because this is going to change somebody. This is, I pray this changes somebody's paradigm today as I'm reflecting on this text. So even before I get into what I, what the Lord is speaking into, I have to at least dig into this for a moment is we have, again, we talked about Western Christian thinking. We have a way about thinking about Christianity. That's actually a fairly new way of thinking about Christianity where for millennia, no one thought this way. And when we read this text and this text is this book of Psalms writ written by ancient Hebrews to ancient Hebrews, it's written in a context and an understanding that doesn't really coincide with our worldview. So we need to know their worldview to then understand the truth that comes out of their worldview to then understand what it means for our worldview. Okay. And so one of them being the law. Because when we think of the law, we think of legality. We think of legal systems. We think of um, democracy <laughs> as if there was democracy in this time. <laughs> or, or we think of uh, uh, capitalism or we think of socialism or we think of communism or any of the isms. None of these isms existed in this time. Are y'all with me so far? 
And so when we think of the law, we think of systems of rules with coinciding systems of consequences and systems of if I do this, I get this cause and effect. And yet this is not how we ought to look at the world and sorry, look at the scriptures because I'm sorry to say this. We have a small view of the gospel. I'm going to help you help you here for a second. We have such a small view of the gospel. We have this minuscule myopic view of the gospel. We simply look at the gospel from legal terms. We think of all the things we've done wrong and all the rules that we have broken. And we've equated those rules that we have broken to sin. And so now we look at Jesus as simply dying on the cross for our sins, for the rules that we broke so that we can be absolved from the rules that have been broken, not realizing that the law was not simply just a set of rules and a system of actions and reactions, causes and effects, but rather the law was about a much greater spiritual system by which we have all been subject to that if in any way we try to subvert it, we face death. And I think for those of us, stay with me, fam. For those of us that look at the gospel from this legalistic perspective, for those of us that look at the gospel from where Jesus paid the price, he died on the cross for my sins. We simply think of our sins as the things that we've done that have broken the law. And so we only look at our sins as the things that were broken in the Ten Commandments, the things that were broken in the, um, um, you know, uh, all through the book of Leviticus and all through the book of Numbers. Look at all these rules that have broken, all these bad things that I've done. And yet Jesus died for them. And yet Jesus died for so much more than for the rules that you broke. Matter of fact, if I throw a wrench in this for a minute, those rules were never meant for you anyway. They were never intended for you. They were intended for ancient Israel to bring awareness to the holiness and the righteousness of God. And yet we have been so fixated on the rules, the rules, the rules, the rules that we have missed out on the law. Because the law to us is just a legal system. And so we've made God a legal system. Isn't it funny how because we've turned God into a legal system that we've equated God to denominations? I'm sorry. Let me back up for a minute. I'm going to get in a little bit of trouble, but that's okay. We have denominations who have their own interpretations of these set of rules. We have uh, denominations. We have uh, churches. We have leaders who they give you their interpretation of the set of rules and all they have is a form of godliness, a form of righteousness, a form of Christianity. And so because we've turned God into a legal system, stay with me, we equate our walk to how well we coincide with that system of thinking. 
Exactly right, Jason. We have a form of godliness. We have a form of righteousness. And yet we deny the power of God. Why does all this matter? All this matters is because now I want to invite you to look at the law differently. The law is not just a writing on a text. The word is a writing. When he says we are not under the law, but we're under grace, what is he talking about? What is Paul talking about? What is Paul speaking about when he says we are under, we are not under the law, but under grace? Ready? Those, again, Western thinking. You got to remove this way of thinking. This is why a lot of us, we never get it right because we're arguing about something that doesn't even fit. It's like seeing two Christians. Here's why I, side note, I'm ranting. Again, this is the read and rant. So stay with me, family. Okay, stay with me because I, I hope I change your paradigm. That's That's what I'm hoping for. I'm just hoping I change your paradigm of thinking, okay? But here, here's what happens, right? Uh, Western Christians are legalistic. Even the ones who are hyper, we call them the hyper grace people, right? And then we have the super legalistic. So we have the hyper grace and then we have the super legalistic, okay? Stay with me. Hyper grace people are the ones who are still legalistic as well. They're just legalistic in a way in which their Western thinking simply looks at their walk in faith as a set of rules. And not because Jesus died on the cross, the rules don't matter because all they think about is the rules. And so because the rules, my life is just about the rules. And so the rules don't matter. And therefore I've just been, I've been absolved from all the sins that I've committed. I should just do, I should, let me see if I can break this down really, really simply. I, Cause this is hard. Okay. This is hard. So I'm, I'm going to try to do this the best that I can. Okay. I'm going to try to do this the best that I can. Okay. Hyper grace people are legalistic. Legalistic people are obviously legalistic. Legalistic people tell you that you need to follow all these rules in the Bible in order to go to heaven. Because again, they've, they've centered their life around the law. Super hyper grace people say, well, Jesus died for all my sins. And so because he died for all my sins, the rules don't matter anymore. anymore. And so they've also centered their, their lives around the rules as well. That's right. Except now, because the rules don't matter, they can just live life anyway, because again, the way they look at it is, is I just need a ticket to heaven. And Jesus gave me a ticket to heaven by dying on the cross for me. Both of them are wrong because both people are looking at the doctrine from a legalistic perspective, from the law. This is the problem of modern Christianity. The problem of modern Christianity is we've made the law a set of rules. When the law was actually a system of being in a system of living. The law wasn't the rules. The law is not the rules. The law is a system. <laughs> That's why the hyper grace people got it wrong. And that's why the legalistic people got it wrong. And they're all arguing with each other. Okay. They're all arguing with each other about something that doesn't even apply. I'm sorry if I get passionate about this for a second. Okay. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm just hot. These things don't apply. It's like the analogy I like to think when I see the hyper grace people arguing with the, and they're all talking about the law. They're all talking about these rules and they're all talking about this and they're all talking about that. And then, and then they're going back and forth, going back and forth, arguing, 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 arguing. It's like 
watching two people try to play tennis with a football. It's ridiculous. They brought the wrong ball to the wrong court because what they've made it about is the rules that you ought to follow in order to go to heaven or the rules that you ought to follow in order. And so the hyper grace people who say, well, we're not on the law. We're under grace. So we could just live however it is we want to live. You got it wrong because you're still making it about the rules. And in the super legalistic people say, well, you, you ought to obey him and obey his law because the, those people got it wrong too because they've made it about the rules when it was never about the rules. Oof. Hmm. Infinity. I, you know, this is so important. So I'm going to, I'm going to entertain it. I usually don't, but I'm going to entertain it. You brought Matthew 5. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy it. This is the verse you just gave me. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Notice the law wasn't to be obeyed, but to be fulfilled. Are you reading the same thing I'm reading? Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. I'm sorry. Can I just do this for a moment? Because I know that, you know, I, I just want to help you here because we Western thinkers are not, we have a way of, let me just side note, side note, because I've been here. I've been where you are. Okay. I've been where you are. We have a tendency family of, because we have been so Westernized that we have a tendency to just filter out things that are right in front of us. We just filter it out because we see it through a lens. And because we see it through a lens, we we miss it. We just miss it when, when it's right in front of us. Okay. I'm saying this passionately because this is, I've been here. So I, cause I saw you bring up that verse. I want to go there. I love when, by the way, never take side note. Um, I know this is being recorded. I'll put this on Patreon. Um, it'll be on the podcast a month or so from now, but I'll put it on Patreon right after this. But I'm learning a little bit more to actually engage a little bit more with you guys live because I think it's important because sometimes we get stuck. And I hope that you get unstuck even as we're reading the word. I'm going to go back to Psalms in my reflection. Yes, it's not Bible study, but whenever we get stuck, I try to at least help you. Okay. I want to at least help you. So when you bring up Matthew 5, common verse that people use and misuse because it's been mistaught. It says this, for surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or will no, or, or, or tittle, sorry, will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments 
and teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Notice what it says there. It's right in front of us. Okay. It's right in front of us. So I want you to see this. He says, whoever therefore breaks at least one of these commandments, it didn't say whoever breaks at least one of these commandments shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. It says, whoever breaks one of these commandments and teaches men so. So it's whoever is breaking these and telling people that they need to obey this. Whoever breaks the least of this, these commandments and then teaches people to do it. You know what we call that? That's the church. That's what the, that's what the legalistic church does. They tell you, don't break this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, do this, don't do this. This is what the Bible says. That The Bible says this, and these are the laws, and then they go and they break it. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So he says, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and then teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does, now watch this, and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Notice, it's not whoever does it, it's whoever does it and teaches it. Shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness, stay with me now, exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't know how anyone doesn't see the sarcasm in Jesus's tone here. Like, how do we miss that? Because again, we have a filter. We have a filter. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So then, notice what he says there. He goes, again, take it full circle. From the beginning, what did you say? He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. You want to know why? Because if he destroys the law, he destroys God. He said, he, he said I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So what is Jesus doing then? Jesus is fulfilling the law. And so he says, what? He says, heaven and earth pass away. Um, for I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And yet he's saying, till it is all fulfilled, when it is, when will all of it be fulfilled? When he comes to fulfill it. Jesus saying, I'm coming to do it. I try to keep this as simple as I can. But Jesus is saying, I have not come to destroy the law, but I've come to fulfill it. We're going to go back to what this law is again. I have not come to destroy the law or the prophets, but I came to fulfill it. And nothing 
will pass until all of it is fulfilled. When will all of it be fulfilled? When I fulfill it. And he says, whoever breaks one of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least. He's talking about the commandments that they have ascribed to as the law. And he says, whoever does and teaches them shall be called great. Notice he does it and then he teaches them what the law is. He will be called great. Who's doing it? Christ is doing it. For I say to you, and then notice the sarcasm, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And for them, they would look at it and say, whose righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the Pharisees? They, they got it. We ain't got what they got. And he's saying, unless yours is greater, because he's saying, he's saying the Pharisees righteousness is not enough. That's it. I'm, I'm trying to break it down as simple as I can. That text right there. Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law, not destroy it. Unless it's fulfilled, nothing will pass. It won't be done till I fulfill it. And for those who are teaching it and not doing it, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's simple. And then now go to Psalm 50. Side note, real quick question. I know this is on the podcast. You guys don't get all this in the audio. Sorry. What's the law? Going back now. I know it took me a while to get here. What is the law? What is it? What is it? Is it the Ten Commandments? Holiness is the law. What's holiness? What is the law? Is it the Ten Commandments? Is it is it the Mosaic Law? Is it can, again how we like to order our books? Is it is it the Mosaic Law? Is that what it is? Is it is it is it Leviticus, Genesis? Okay, Exodus, Leviticus. Is it Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Mosaic and the Levitical Law? Got it. Hmm. So if it's the Mosaic law and if it's the Levitical law, then we're all screwed. We're all screwed because we've all broken it. Some of you are breaking it even right now. Some of you are breaking it with blended fabric. Some of you are breaking it with edging out your beards. Some of you are breaking it by just having edge and lineups on your head. Some of you are breaking it in that you, when's the last time you offered a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice to a, um, in the temple? When was the last time you committed that? Ladies, are you, are you sleeping in bed? Are you, are you sleeping in bed with your husband? When you're on your, on that time of the month, are you doing that too? Huh? Because that's the law. And that tells us that you're unclean. And you know, that time of the month, according to the law, means that you are unclean. You aren't even to be in public. 
You want to touch a man or to be in conversation with. What, what law are we talking about here? Which ones? Are you are you eating shellfish? Oh, I know y'all eating shellfish. Are you eating are you eating lobster? Hmm? Are you eating lobster? Are you eating you eating shrimp? Where you at? Where are all the shrimp lovers? Some of y'all had gumbo last night. That's that's the law. Huh? What about those of you with tattoos? Huh? Where, where are you at? Huh? Uh-oh. We, we got a little bit of a problem here. Huh? How, how about how about the way you you've managed your money? Mm-hmm. Have you have you have you been 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 following the law? Hmm. Some people say, "Well, it's the Ten Commandments." Well, what does it say? It's the Ten Commandments above everything else. And which laws do you get to choose? You know, the problem is here's the here's the pride of legalistic Christianity. Oh, I'm in full-blown rant now. Sorry, y'all. Y'all got me in full-blown rant. How many of y'all eating pork? Some of y'all had beef last night. Some of you ate a burger. That's, you're breaking the law. Ooh. Yes, all that seafood that you've eaten from animals that have no scales. Huh. With cheese. Oh no. And you're eating beef? Whoa. How many of y'all eating shrimp? Dirty Christians. Eating lobster. How many of y'all eating that? How how many of y'all how many of y'all wearing blended fabric cloth? Yeah. Dirty. Breaking all the laws in the Bible. Breaking all the laws. You know what's funny? about legalistic Christianity, it's pride. It's a form of godliness. It's a form of righteousness. You want to know why? Righteousness. Because, because, ready, catch this, catch this. We choose what we want to count as the law. We choose some and not others. We say, well, it's the Ten Commandments, even though the Bible didn't set the Ten Commandments apart from the others. We set it apart. Or, nope, those don't apply anymore because they're outdated. Who gets to choose that? Dirty Christians. It's funny how even when we get legalistic, we show how sinful and how prideful we are. It's either all of it or it's none of it. Christ fulfilled all of it. He fulfilled all of it. Holiness, not Christianity. What is holiness? What is holiness? I'm sorry. I'm just working, y'all. I'm working. I'm going to work this real slow. I got about five to 10 more minutes. I'm going to go real slow. I'm going to go real slow. <laughs> I'm going to go real slow because some of us are stuck. We're stuck thinking it's the Ten Commandments that are going to save us. We're stuck thinking that it's following the law that's going to save us. We're stuck thinking thinking that the law represents the rules. When it's so much more than that. Let me ask you a question. I'm just throwing stuff out. Go back home. Go back home or wherever you are, work it out. You know what I mean? Send me an email. Who knows? Hit me up on Patreon, whatever it is. I want you to work this out. I'm in so much trouble right now. This is, I guess is what I do is get myself in trouble. But if Jesus came to fulfill the law, 
Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to go back to Matthew 5. I'm sorry. It's because I saw that verse come up. Someone posted it in the comments. I had to go to it because it's, 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 oh man. All love. Okay. All love. But let, let, let's, we all at home. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you, Edgar. I feel you. Everybody's at home. So after you get off of this, sit down and, and, and work this out. Okay. I just want you to work this out. I'm just having a conversation. I could be wrong, y'all. But I'm just, I'm just trying to help y'all out, okay? I'm just trying to help you out, okay? Um, Jesus says, I came, I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets, but I came to fulfill it. Jesus says, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. What does that even look like? And even in that same verse where Jesus says <laughs> that if a man breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Didn't Jesus break the laws? Didn't Jesus, wasn't Jesus condemned multiple times for breaking the law? Look at what our Western legalistic way of looking at the gospel looks like. That we miss on what Jesus is saying when he's saying it because we're too busy looking at it from our perspective. Is it possible that the law goes way beyond simply the commandments. It's just a question. I'm just, just trying to help y'all out. Just trying to help y'all out. Jesus was accused of breaking the food laws. The man didn't ceremonially cleanse himself before he ate the food. Huh? Jesus was told, they told Jesus, you're sinning against God. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, it's not what goes into a, the mouth of a man that defiles him, but, but what comes out of him that does. And then Jesus goes and he throws it at him and says, you know, because what you eat, you know, eventually you crap it anyway. I paraphrase that. Huh. Didn't Jesus say, you search the scriptures? What was he talking about? The laws. He said, you search the scriptures. Jesus said this, not me, okay? Don't get me in trouble, okay? Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them you believe you will find salvation. Did Jesus not say that? All right, maybe you didn't know. If you didn't know, I know we're in Matthew 5. We'll just read John 5. And then John 39, and then I'm going to get to my point because I only have a couple of minutes. Jesus, I'm all over the place. This is why it's a rant. I'll, I'll put it on Patreon. I apologize. Again, I don't apologize. You guys know what you get when you come here. But I do want to get to my main point or what the Lord is speaking into me. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said in John chapter 5, and he says in verse 39, you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. Hmm. You search the scriptures. Isn't it funny how this is what we all are doing? We're searching the scriptures because we think that it is in them, in the scriptures, we have eternal life. Is Jesus contradicting himself? 
or is the law something else? Submit to you this, and we're going to go to Psalms. Back to what we were reading. And this is the incredible holiness of God, the glory of God, the majesty of God. In verse 5, Psalm 50, verse 5, he says, Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let the heavens declare his righteousness. For God himself is judge. The only person who can determine what is righteous and what is not is God. And when we speak about the law, we're speaking about the order of which God has made things. He says that the heavens declare his righteousness. The word righteousness, you ready for this? This is the confusion that people make. They confuse, sorry, they confuse righteousness with holiness. Righteousness is not holiness. Holiness is to be distinct from, to be other than, which is what makes God holy. God is holy. But not only is God holy, God is righteous. Actually, he's the only one who is righteous. There's no, what do you say? There's no one who's righteous. No, not one. Not a single person is righteous. Why? Because the righteousness of God is the justice and the order and the system of God. The very thing that holds all these things together. It's the very thing that he speaks about in Hebrews when it says that it is by his word that he holds the universe together. So when you think of the law, and maybe I'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow. But when you think of the law, think of a system that's governed, that's self-governed, but intelligently governed. Okay, that sounded over your head, right? I've, I've used this analogy. I'll make, it, I'll, I'll make it a little bit clearer for you. Think of the law as the law of gravity. Okay, it's not a rule. It's not a legal system. The law of gravity is a natural system. Gravity exists whether we want it to exist or not. Gravity is what keeps planets in their place. What allows planets to um, 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 uh, to you know revolve around the sun. Gravity is what keeps the universe together. Gravity holds all things together and gravity is simply a law that speaks into the bending of space that speaks into what what causes two bodies of masses to be attracted to each other. And because the earth is a body of mass and because I am a body of mass that I'm naturally attracted to the earth and I'm held to the earth. <laughs> I'm held to the earth and because I'm held to the earth Nothing can pull me from that. Now, can I try to defy the law of gravity? There are many things I can do that look like the, the defying of the law of gravity. I can get in a helicopter, cause enough circular motion in the blades to lift me up. It doesn't mean gravity still isn't there. I can try to defy the law of gravity. I can run. But if I trip over a rock, I'm not going to float going to fall. I'll use that one. That's a good one. 
What is the law? If I run and run and run and I trip over a rock, I'm not going to float. I'm going to fall. Why? Because of the law of gravity. The law of gravity tells me exactly what's going to happen when I trip over the rock. It's a system. It's not a set of rules. It's a system. And if I fall, I don't get mad at gravity. I'm, su- I'm subject to it. I don't get to change it. I don't get to, to, to adjust it. That's why when, he, when the scriptures say that it is by his word that he holds the universe together, his word is gravity. His word is the gravity that holds all things together. And any time you try to defy it, it causes you to stumble and fall. So rather than fighting his word, submit to the reality of his word and operate around the reality of his word. Did you catch what I just said? And I hope this is going to help some people here. I hope this is when it says that God, the heavens declare his righteousness, his righteousness is, is, is encompassed in his law. This is the system. This is the gravity of the world. And this gravity is not a a, a physical gravity. It's a spiritual gravity. And this spiritual gravity tried to defy it for God himself is judge. And because God is righteousness and because he is the gravity, I'm going to keep using that term of gravity, the spiritual gravity, because he is the spiritual gravity. If you run and you trip and you don't fall, God cannot continue to be God. God cannot continue to be God in the same way gravity cannot continue to be gravity. If I run and I trip and I float, I don't say, thank God I didn't bust my knee. You know what I say? I say, oh my God, what's holding me up? And if for some reason we started floating, we should start worrying because most likely we're about to freeze to death because the earth is going to float away from the sun. And the funny thing about it is that for many of us, we want the gravity to go away. (laughs) We want the gravity to go away. But if the gravity goes away, then we float away from the sun and we freeze and we die. (laughs) And so by that very nature, when we think of the law, And Christ coming to fulfill the law. Christ is falling where we should fall. So the law can continue to remain the law. And now we are held up by the very space that he occupies that we should have occupied. This is the profound consequence of the cross and of the gospel. Once it's that God himself is judged, what God is saying is that righteousness is very much my character. It's who I am. Every law is my righteousness, both physical and spiritual. Both physical and spiritual. 
All that is my righteousness. The physical laws, the spiritual laws, everything that holds all this together. The scriptures tell us that it's in him all things consist. The law ain't going nowhere. Because if the law goes away, God goes away. But this is not about a set of rules that one ought to follow. It's about one who's accomplishing what we could not accomplish in the midst of the constructs of the law, the very character in the heart of God. I know we went deep today, but I, I wanted to speak into this because when we read through Psalm 50, I'm just being held by that. He says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Our God shall come and not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him and it shall be very tempestuous around him. The, is, the Hebrews understood the law not simply as a legal system and a set of rules. <laughs> if, if it was a legal system and a set of rules, then man, David broke a lot of laws. David broke a lot of laws. David wasn't a priest, entered into a place he shouldn't have entered, broke a law. We see laws being broken, and yet if Abraham is righteous, Abraham didn't even have a law to be righteous, and yet there was a law. The law existed before the Ten Commandments. The law is God. This is not a Bible study. We've been going through this all day, but I want you to see what he's saying here. Is he saying even in the midst of that, look what he says about the law. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am your God. Again, the law. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. That was the law. I will not take a bull from your house nor goats out of your folds. Wasn't that the law? For every beast of the forest is mine and every cattle on a thousand hills. He's saying, maybe you didn't understand what this law thing was all about. I don't need your sacrifice. I don't need to be fed by you. I don't need, he said, I don't need your righteousness. It's not what I need. I'm sorry, I'm going to go a little over. I should have been done already, but I feel like I got to sit on this because some people right now, there's some paradigms that are shifting. There's some, there's some chains that are breaking right now. Some of you right now have never been really free in the grace and never been transformed by God to truly represent the image of God because you're too busy obeying God's laws in public and while breaking them in private. I'm sorry if I speak prophetically right now. There's so many of us right now who are struggling with this idea of, should I obey the law? Which law should I obey? Which law should I not obey? And I believe right now that there's some chains being broken from some people who have been very good at obeying the law in private, but breaking it in, sorry, who are very good. There are those who are so good at obeying the law in public so people can see, who have a form of godliness that people can see, but in private, they know 
that their thoughts are wretched, their mind is wretched, and they are broken. And yet they continue to prostrate their legalistic thinking on people because somehow if they can bring people down, then they can make themselves feel better. And yet at the end of the day, you can see that in you there's something that isn't right. And you can see that in you there's something that isn't righteous. And you can see in you that something is not connecting. And you can see in you, I can't find transformation yet. But if I keep making people feel bad about what they've done, maybe then God will finally understand how much I want to obey him. And yet God is saying, I don't need your righteousness. I don't need your form of godliness. I need you and I want your heart. We see that he says right here, he says, for every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Why do I need your cattle? Why? I don't, I don't need your goat sacrifice. I don't need your bull sacrifice. Will I eat the flesh of the bulls? Will I drink the blood of the goats? Are y'all catching what I'm reading? Maybe I'm reading this by myself. Well, do, do I drink the blood of the goats? No. He says, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the most high. Call upon me in the day, day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. He says, I need your heart. You can give me goats and you can bring your tithes and offerings and you can go to church on Sunday and you can obey the Ten Commandments and you can do all of that and yet I still don't have your heart. What do I care about those things? Well, why do I care about any of that? The last verse says, whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. God wants to show you his salvation. He does not want you to earn his salvation. He wants to give it to you and to reveal it to you. And he's speaking to a people who have been subject to this. And he's trying to change their paradigm. He's revealing to them that the law is me. It's my heart. It's my will. It's my character. And you can never know that until you know me. Seek his face. Seek him. You know, if we would give God our hearts, our lives would change. You know, it's a problem, right? You know, your problem for transformation is not the fact that you don't know enough Bible. You know, your problem is not that you keep sinning over and over again. You know, that's not your problem. Your, your problem isn't that you can't get over your addiction. Your problem, that's not your problem. You know what your problem is? Your problem is, is that you haven't yet given it all to him. Yeah. Your problem is, is you haven't given him all your heart. Your problem is, is that you don't yet fully, you have not yet fully accepted his grace and you don't fully love him yet. And yet when you give him all your heart, he transforms it. He shapes you, molds you, makes you into something new. He turns you around. Anybody who's ever been transformed by the grace of God knows 
There ain't no way I could have done this on my own. There ain't no way I could have, I could have figured it out. No 10 step plan got me out of this. No 10 step plan got me out of this addiction. No 10 step plan got me out of this. No 12 step, no five step, no steps got me out of this. No matter how much I tried to fix it for myself, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't do it on my own. And yet one day Jesus met me right there in the lowest place and right where he met me. I had nothing else left to give him but my heart. And it's when I gave him my heart. That's when my life was changed. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. <laughs> and so give him your heart. <laughs> he's replaced the tablets of stone and he's given you tablets of flesh. Did you hear me? He's replaced your tablets of stone and given you tablets of flesh. <laughs> ah. I'm going to read one verse and then we're going to close with prayer. In, <clears throat> and I'm only saying this because there's some people who really right now this is really ruining you. It's frustrating you. Some of you are probably angry with me. I've had people, I've had people say, you know, man, listen, you're just, you're off. And I say to them, you know what? Question everything I say. Always. I, I invite you guys to question everything I say. As a matter of fact, doubt it. Go back and check it. Some people who are just, ah, I think he's off here. I don't think he's on. I, I, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. That's just your religion speaking. There's some people right now who are saying, I don't know, man. This is this don't feel right. It don't feel right because you grew up conditioned to think a certain way, even if it wasn't biblical. So I'm going to read one last verse for you just to give you one more support. That's right. Test every spirit. Test even the spirit of my teaching. Test it says this, Second Corinthians, from Paul, a Hebrew man who understood what the law was. Verse one, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Look at verse two. He says, you are our written epistles. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. You are the written epistle. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Ready for this? Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That was Paul's play on words. Because we know what was written on tablets of stone. The law. But on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. 
Verse four, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient ourselves of ourselves to think anything of being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Fight me. Fight me. <laughs> fight me. You know, fight me. Okay? Don't fight me. Please don't fight God. <laughs> don't fight God. This is this is this is God's word. This is God's word. It says it right here. Plain for you. Second Corinthians three, just read the first six verses. It's as clear and plain as it gets. Paul, who knows what the, what's on the tablets of stone, who knows what the law, what the law is, says, hold on a second. We are epistles. We are the epistles of Christ written not with ink, but the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient ourselves, but he says what? Who all who made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant. All right, uh, this is a Bible study. It's turning into a Bible study. I'm sorry, y'all, this was gonna be a reading rant. It turned to Bible study. I went like 30 minutes over. I'm in all kinds of trouble right now, way behind on everything else, but I felt so burdened to just share this because I know this bothered a lot of people. And I just wanna make sure I give you as much as I can to help strengthen you and strengthen your faith. But this is the last thing I will say to you. Whatever people call the law is not the law. The commandments is not the law. That was the covenant. There was a covenant made with God by the children of Israel at Mount Sinai, which is what you read all through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those were not written. That wasn't a covenant that we made with God. That was a covenant that the children of Israel made with God. They were not rules that we followed because we didn't make that contract with God. They made that contract with God. Stay with me, family, because it's going to set you free with how you read the Bible. Because you can go back, question me, doubt me, whatever it is. I'm just trying to help somebody today. So if it is a contract they made, let me ask you a question. If it applied to the person afterwards and the person after that and the person after that, why is it that the next generation of people had to make a covenant with God again in Deuteronomy because the covenant was made by the prior generation. And now the next generation had to make that covenant with God and even they failed as well before they entered into the promised land. So it is a contract. It was a covenant. It was a contract that they made with God, not that we made with God, which is why we shouldn't be calling it the law that all Christians ought to follow. No, it was a covenant and in it were commandments that revealed the holiness and the righteousness of God, but not even in its fullness. 
So I say that to you to encourage you all. This is in the book. And what Paul is telling these Corinthians, the church in Corinth, in that what I just read to you is that the letter kills. There's a new covenant. There was a covenant. There was an old covenant that the children of Israel made with God. And then the next generation of the children of Israel made with God. But the generations after just didn't even obey it. In Christ, there's a new covenant that's not even that contract. And yet this new covenant is of the Spirit because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Let's find life. Heavenly Father, we come before you knowing, Lord, that you come that we may have life and that we would have it more abundantly. Father, I pray right now, Lord, there are those of us who... This may be new to us. This may be new. And we don't know what to do with this. And we're working through it. Father, I pray that you would deconstruct or whatever decades of, of, of institutional thinking and institutional doctrinal denominational thinking has been just imputed on us and conditioned on us. And Father, I pray that you would break that, that we would just see your word through the lens of your spirit. Lord, that we would see it through you, not through whatever someone told us to see it through, but to see it clearly through you with what you have said about your word. So, Father, I thank you Lord, that you've given us the privilege to come together. Those from all around, Father, I pray that they would find liberation, find freedom, and truly find not behavior modification, but to find transformation in you. And I declare that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Family, I love you all. You guys are amazing. Truly, you guys are amazing. Love you all. Um, I, I, I'm just glad we're able to come back and get, get going again with this. Um, I want to invite you, if you are here, you've been blessed by this in any way, become a patron. Become a patron. It would be a blessing to me because I really want to expand Bible study. I know this is just a read and rant. This turned into like a mini Bible study, though. It was like an impromptu Bible study. I don't know why I do that. Maybe I should do those random Bible studies on Patreon. Um, um, I've thought about that as well. Uh, but this is this is for the general. This is for you all, okay? But I, I truly believe that that the Lord wants us to expand. He wants us to make more content. And by becoming a patron, you're opening the doors for us to be able to do that. Um, I, I think I was saying this yesterday that one of the things that I'm wrestling with right now is is as we're looking to really find ways to be able to commit our time to this. Um. How do we do this? How do we support this moving forward? We've thought about selling the booklets and selling the Bible study. Something doesn't feel right about that. I just believe that the Lord's going to bless this in a way where he's going to bring people together. We're going to come alongside us and partner with us to make this thing a reality where we can we can send out Bible study booklets and, and, and help just empower and equip people and do more sessions and create more content so that people can really truly get the message of the gospel. And so, um, Mike hit me up. I am in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and so it'd be kind of cool to link up with you, man. Cause we've been, we've been chopping it up on Patreon for a minute now. So, um, uh, yeah, that'd be really, really cool. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, this was randomly amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I will be doing more, uh, Bible study as well because I think it's important. Um, but, but this is, this read and read is really more about Bible reading because Bible study is great. Don't get me, t- don't get it twisted. It's great, but it needs to be done within the context of the totality of the scripture. And I think one of the most important things for those of you who are new to this and say, Hey, I would love to learn more. I can't emphasize enough how important it is just to read through the Bible. Because when you read through it over and over again, just keep reading through, just keep reading through, just keep reading through, just keep reading through. When you do that over and over again, it begins to take root in you. And then by the Holy Spirit, you're able now to judge and to discern what people are teaching. To know, even if I'm not an expert of scripture, I can now at least, this is what I hope some people can do, is even though I'm not an expert in the scriptures, but I just heard what this person said and it doesn't sit with what I've been exposed to. Okay. And that's what I believe is going to be the next great movement is people who are going to be empowered by the word. Um, and so you may not know all of it and that's okay. Cause the mysteries of God belong to God. And yet, but you will know enough to know this ain't it. That is it. You'll be equipped to discern the spirits. So anyway, love y'all. God bless you guys. Um, I will see y'all tomorrow. We're going to keep reading through. Uh, we'll read through Psalms. Somehow Psalms got us into Corinthians. It got us into John 5. It got us into Matthew 5. It has a way of doing that. Um, but Patreon. Yeah, and if you want to, you can donate as well. There's a link to donate in the link in the bio as well. But Patreon is really what we're looking to grow right now. We want to grow a community of people who really want to invest in what we're doing. And it's a, it's a monthly donation of at least $10. Um, but some of you are, are going above and beyond that. And I want to thank you guys for that as well. So anyway, uh, I'm praying about that this year. We've got some benchmarks and some numbers and we're just praying and we're believing in God that he's going to give us what we need. We're not doing this big promo out there. I just believe that who we have here can get behind us to make what we do uh, for the rest of the world a reality. And so 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every weekday. All right. Love y'all. God bless you. Don't miss my Patreon. Yes. Okay. Please click the link in the bio. Thank you for mentioning that, Asia. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. All right. I appreciate that, Claudia. God bless you all. God bless you all. Love y'all. Peace out. Hello? I'm sorry. I was off. I was off the rails today. My bad. I realized I was off the rails. I'm sorry. Yeah. Huh? Hey, Izzy, what's up?